Welcome to Food and Loathing, where none of our guests are made out of cake. There are no rats in our kitchen, but we do seem to sabotage ourselves whenever we can. I'm your host, Al Mancini. Rich Johnson is once again providing the engineering expertise and the deep professional radio voice. Hi there. <laughs> and returning to co-host once again is the one and only Rick Moonen. Hey. Rick, man, as I was watching some food TV shows this week, um, particularly the aforementioned Rat in the Kitchen, I kept flashing back to an image of you screaming at that show's host, Chef Ludo Lefebvre. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I pronounced that right. I fuck every name up. I'm sure I mangled that one. But uh, am I remembering food TV history correctly? I just have this image of you screaming like, get out of my face or something, or you don't know what you're talking about or oh, something. Oh, man, what did I yell at him? <laughs> he, Ludo drove me crazy. He was this crazy energy. You know, we were competing on Top Chef Masters, and like he would like push you out of the way when you got entry into a kitchen to compete, and he'd start claiming things. This stove is mine. This is my area. This is mine. And I looked at him, and I'm like, no fucking way. You know, come on. But what I was yelling at him is, I'm talking here. That's what I said. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was sitting around complaining because he got um, a Irish stew because that was his, his uh, theme. You know, you had to do it. And he's going, I, Irish stew. I don't know. Irish stew is stupid. You Irish stew. You get the good thing. I get the, I. He's pitching and moaning. I'm like trying to explain to him, look, just think beef bourguignon. Think, and I'm trying to tell him this. And he keeps bitching and moaning over me and I, that's why I went hey I'm talking to you <laughs> and I got of course picked you know, up and you went on Ratso Rizzo yeah that one that went viral well more on what he's doing on TV uh, momentarily he's when we get guy. into that conversation uh, for now it's time to chat about what we've been up to since we last convened here at Moon and Ranch which, with the puppies hey puppy that's it Booker quiet hey Booker shh Oh, come on, Booker. We'll so, get your um, union card. <laughs> Rick, you and I spent some time together judging the... Well, actually, we didn't judge, but we were there for the judging of the Great Las Vegas Coffee Shop giveaway. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that later in the show. But what else do you have going on? I hear there's some K-pop in your life these days. Man. Oh, yeah, 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 a couple of days. I'm, actually, after uh, we're finished recording this podcast, I have to go to Allegiant Stadium and start cooking for this coming weekend. Two days of BTS. Whoa. 150 level where the suites are and all that stuff. It's fun, you know, being a, a guest chef at the... Legion is is an awesome uh, surprise for me, actually. Are you cooking for them, BTS themselves, or no, uh, just no, VIP uh, suite? Yeah. The yes. suite level. So uh-huh. they, they, they uh, you know, because they pay a lot of money for those suites. <laughs> I was going to say, who, the people who buy the suites, it, it's got to be like their granddaughters or something. Yeah, they don't want to go in there and have the same from all, you know, they, they, I'm sure there could be menus made up for them, but it's easier just to bring in different chefs for different concepts, cooking at the stadium for those uh, that have those yeah. suites in the game. And the yeah. overwhelming majority of those suites are owned by companies. So, you yeah. know, they're going to have just as many clients that want to go see BTS with their kids as they have that want to go see a Raiders game, probably. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you it, recognize the names on the doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The incredibly huge corporation. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't have a Food and Loathing podcast suite up there yet. We should start talking. Give me a it. discount, brother. I think I can work something <laughs> yeah. out if I keep it up. <laughs> oh, Rich, what about you, my friend? What have you been eating? Well, you know, uh, last episode I talked about going to Ada's wine bar for a nice uh, dinner. Time for the James Trees segment of the show. (laughs) For my birthday, I thought I need to get out of the James Trees universe. I need to go 
down on the strip. We were looking at, you know, maybe Roy Choi or Bavets or something like that. And I went to El Salito Posto. <laughs> <laughs> James has got you. He in does. The of his hand. And it was fantastic. I had this pork shank uh, uh, Caesar salad that was massively overdressed, which is exactly the way I oh, like it. I like a lot of dressing. Yeah. And uh, great uh, server. We had a view of the kitchen, which was just an incredibly machine-like smooth operation yeah. with with a full house i mean they're doing 200 covers at a shot twice or three times a night and it's just mm, like butter that's awesome yeah. That's awesome. yeah that's why you go places absolutely they got it locked in man locked yep. and loaded yeah uh we, the wine we had at eight as i talked about other people's pinot from maison noir in uh, the willamette valley well, we got six people. bottles of that in the mail and the broke one open last night and it was uh, actually we carefully unscrewed it so it was well, that's where you're from i know and uh when i get done with this i'm going home to try out my sunday gravy that i made on a tuesday that's been sitting in the fridge overnight and uh We'll see how that works out. Tuesday gravy on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Only uh, gets better. Looking for junk food to go to this week, I was kind of foiled. I ended up just uh, driving around. And, oh, okay, Indian. I'll try that <laughs> He place. just drives around and looks for junk food. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had other things I was doing, but I ended up at the corner of Flamingo and Decatur, and I went into Marigold Fine Indian Cuisine. Uh, Only later did I find that it is on the Neon Feast uh, strip uh, with nice Brandon quotes Powers, from Brandon right? Powers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of his favorites, I believe. I actually remember that quote. It was something like, no, actually, I don't remember yeah, the exact yeah. quote. It was, but it was something nice like quote. nobody knows, the best place yeah. nobody knows of or something. And they're definitely finding their feet. I was the only one in there for lunch. Uh, so the guy said he'd been open four or five months. Uh, no separate lunch menu, though. And no, it's too small for a buffet. So I just didn't feel like paying $15 for a full dinner-sized uh, tikka masala order. I wanted to have more than one thing, so I ended up with this appetizer that goes by the backhanded name of non-vegetarian platter. <laughs> Five or six different things on there. Including better than a, the dead animal platter. Yeah, a variety. Really there was a good. chicken samosa, a chicken pakora, a couple of other things that were just various spicy doughs. All very good, but I really want my tikka masala there. So I will try to get back there with Joanna and do a whole family style. You know, stuff, a lot of stuff or, or for takeout. As always, I have been eating like a foie gras duck during the gavage. <laughs> That's the part with the tubes, those of you who have seen Ooh, untrue, untrue pita videos or fake pita videos. Anyway, enough of that. Um, I had my first meal at the Noodle Den in the Sahara, and it was a very nice meal. Lots of tasty dumplings, hand-pulled noodles. I will definitely be back there. The Venetian Palazzo team hosted a media dine-around that included spot stops, I should say, in the bar areas of Umbrera, Osteria, Estiatorio Milos, and Mott 32. I'm a fan of all three of those places. On this visit, though, man, I was really most excited about hitting Milos. You know, one of the things that Costas, the, the owner of Milos, had yeah. told me as they were preparing to make the move from Cosmo over to the Venetian Palazzo was that there would be a lot more raw bar featured in the new location and mm -hmm. for this dine around that's really what they brought out they just brought out a lot of the tartars and the crudos and man these guys, i mean i should have known going in that it would be great because it's a great seafood restaurant to begin with but not everybody who can cook seafood can treat it properly raw yeah. um you know rick i know that when you be added a sushi component to rm seafood you had to kind of learn how to do sushi even though you're a brilliant established uh, no seafood chef so um you know i was a little wary as to you know whether they'd be able to handle it but man they knock that out of the park like they knock everything out of the park at milos yeah no, the quality of milos is um, oh yeah unparalleled yeah 
I also had a great meal at um, D'Agostino's Trattoria, which is a pretty excellent neighborhood Italian spot on Buffalo there between, say, Trop and Flamingo. Uh, it used to be Cafe Chloe prior to that. Um, but, you know, it, I, I like this place because it is what you expect from a neighborhood Italian restaurant in Las Vegas if the chefs cared about ingredients mm-hmm. and preparation, right? So there's not a <laughs> lot on the menu that's going to, like, blow you away like I've never heard of this dish before but it's all just beautiful from the roasted peppers to the prosciutto that they use you know when you get the antipasta I really like them and you know I I said I think on social media it's a neighborhood Italian joint where everybody knows your name but if you're in a neighborhood of really rich people who know how to who know good (laughs) food and they expect it I mean George Maloof was at the table next to me you know I mean it's like you know these are the people that dine there yeah it's right off of Spanish trails and you know I feel like I should give them a shout out they're they're solid restaurant I don't know if either of you guys have ever been in there i have not have you rich i have not the place in that area that i have ended up going to a few times is mastriani's over on uh, wallapai yeah, yeah. yeah not to Which, rule out uh roma deli is i swear roma deli for authenticity to me being from new york i hear so i have a, a, a good friend who's a sports uh, poker guy media guy and he he lives there every time he come he, he comes over to do yeah. the World Series of Poker. He pretty much lives at Roma Deli. I always get confused between the two Roma Delis because there's the one on Spring Mountain and then there's the one that's on um, Sahara, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't believe they're related. I'm not sure. So whenever people tell me I love Roma Deli, I'm never sure which one they're talking I about. I think the Spring <laughs> Mountain one is what I'm talking about. Pretty sure because I lived in that neighborhood for a while and it was my go-to. Cool. Uh, also this week, after a two-year renovation, Tau Beach reopened. Uh, the press got a little walkthrough before the first customers were let in, and here's a bit of founding partner Jason Strauss addressing the team. Tau Group is now 74 venues plus in 25 cities. And what we were able to pull off here in this largest size of the scope venue that we have in the portfolio it's truly unbelievable. What we did today is going to be a bonding moment for all of us, a family moment for all of us, and really translate down to our guests when they come through those doors in an hour. So congratulations to everybody. Give yourself a round of applause. Unbelievable job. So the place is beautiful. It's big, more than double the size of the old space. I think five acres there, or something like that Whoa. on the pool deck. Something ridiculous. <laughs> Capacity of over 3,000 people. There are some gorgeous Zen statues. Um, the guy's name's Popper. Daniel Popper did these statues. Uh, massive poolside DJ booth. 29 private cabanas. 13 of those have the plunge pools, you know, that kind of deal. On the food front, I mean, you know, I was just talking actually um, on, on with another, another food TV show. These guys, Tal Beach, are the people who really first brought fine dining or high cuisine to the day club. They didn't invent the day club. I'd say that Rehab invented the day club. But as far as bringing quality food, Tal Beach were the first ones to do that. Um, I didn't eat anything there. I did check out the menu. And it's what you'd expect from Tal, high-end Pan-Asian cuisine. I saw a Vietnamese shredded chicken chicken salad, a Peking duck melt, sushi, of course, an impossible burger, vegan chicken lettuce wraps for you plant-based beautiful people. (laughs) And um, as you might expect, lots and lots of bottle service. Always take a picture of the bottle service menu because, you know, if you don't live in Las Vegas, you really don't get, like, what people charge for bottle service. Um, I The cheapest bottles I could find, because I always like to see what the cheapest bottles, Jägermeister, 
or Fireball for $625 a bottle. Dude. If you're looking for the champagne parade packages, and that's where they, you know, parade yep, the bikini yep. chips, all, you know, all the stuff, sparklers. Um, they start around $1,350. That's, yes, $1,350, people, for that's several bottles or a couple bottles. They go all the way up that I found to $22,050, which I've got to say, doing a little prep for this, I also checked out the bottle service menus over at um, IU Day Club yeah. at Resorts World, and they have a $100,000 package over there. <laughs> so the fact okay. that the most expensive package I could find at Tal Beach was $22,050, get five of them, you cheap <laughs> bastards. <laughs> wow. Uh, have you ever done that, man? Have you done, Rich, Rick, you're the, um, you know, you're the super celebrity of our group. Have you done those champagne packages? Years ago, I would hang with people that did. It wasn't my doing. I'm, well, that's not true. There was one bachelor party that got a little carried away um, <laughs> at, in Mandalay Bay, and I got taken back in a wheelchair. But other than that, it was a pretty good time. <laughs> I think you and I have both been um, have both left casinos in wheelchairs after drinking a few times, man. <laughs> nah, and that's was, another thing: if you don't live in Las Vegas, people don't believe it happens. But well, it, it was a friend of a really good friend of mine, and uh, and everybody came to Vegas for it. So I felt responsible for everybody's you know enjoyment. So I was kind of like charged up, and and. Uh, the champagne yeah. got ordered. It just got ordered. Yeah, and then you see the credit card bill oh, the next boy. day. Yeah. Oh. Seven years ago, so one of my very first, you know, Vegas nightclub experience. It was it was Beecher's Madhouse. Oh, yeah. I think it was oh, God, it was it was Murray Sawchuck's was. Uh, birthday party uh, one wife ago. And uh, he invited a bunch of folks, maybe 20, 25, and we had an area, and there was a woman with the bottle and pouring out the things, and I thought, that's nice, and I had I had the Vegas Standard, which is vodka and cranberry, yep. and I'm watching all the acts and stuff like that, and I thought, oh, I'd like another drink. Well, no, the bottle was done, <laughs> and that's the end of alcohol, unless I would get up and walk over to the bar and buy my own. Boom. Or they would have brought you another bottle. Well, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with sparklers. With sparklers. <laughs> you know what's yeah. funny, though? You know, I do not in any way begrudge these clubs charging that kind of money for a bottle, and I will tell you why. There are a group of people who come to Las Vegas that spending the most to go home and brag about how much they spent is yeah. their bragging rights. If you tell them that two nightclubs have the exact same experience, same level DJ. One of them has a $1,000 bottle of Grey Goose and one has a $1,500 bottle of Grey Goose. There's a class of people who will go to the $1,500 bottle one so they can fucking brag about spending $1,500. <laughs> so you know what? If you can get their money and get the 20% or 18% gratuity for people that live here and are going to spend it in the community, fuck yeah. Amen. Do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One last item before we get to our discussion on the good, the bad, and the absurdly stupid of food TV. Um, Rick, you and I were among the um, guests at judging night for the first contestants in the Great Las Vegas Coffee Shop giveaway. Yeah, man. This is the contest where developer Jay Dapper is giving away a restaurant built out in the Hunt Ridge redevelopment. Uh, lots of support as well to the team that comes up with the best idea for a coffee shop or designer that reminds them of old Vegas, old casino coffee shops. Before we discuss... Um, you know, what, what we had in our experience there. I actually visited Vegas Test Kitchen on Saturday when Luis DeSantos and his team were trying to get some of their dishes for the public. This is, um, what's the, what was their concept called? Random Acts Diner. And Luis told me a bit about it. Oh, man. You know, when, when you conceptualize something, just thinking about it, and now, for the first time, it's real, right? Mm -hmm. Even though, regardless of what happened with the contest, uh, working with these talented chef Dia Young and Anna Davison, and obviously... Uh, my partners, Freddie Paloma and Kai Boo, we put together this idea, Random Act. 
and um, finding this diner uh, contest just give us a little bit of a platform to do so. Uh, so we're, we're making some classic food. Hopefully you get to enjoy it and try that one and then uh, we'll see how it goes. Cool, man. Well, good luck and thanks for um, coming out and chatting with of me. Of course. I appreciate that. Random Mac is, uh, you know, it's randomness, right? So I ate a few dishes. Um, I watched some impromptu musical performances on Saturday. Then I went back with you for the judges night. We were not judges, but we were there. They had a full house. Um, lots of cool people there. Mar- Mark Marone and Corey Harwell, some friends of ours, were judging. Um, I saw Greg Thilmont from the RJ there. Um, you know, the, and basically, you know, all the people that go to every all the things were there because this was one of the things. Um, so, Rick, what would you think, man? What did you think about the experience? I thought it was really cool. First of all, I love uh, the Vegas Test Kitchen. I just think. Uh, you know, Jolene was there, and she was uh, runs a good operation there, and um, it was a nice presentation. And it, it perpetuates uh, what we were discussing. Uh, I think it was the last time we were, we had a podcast together, and it was that entertainment and uh, and, and dining are really starting to meld together, and it's uh, becoming more of a you know a, the norm. You know, so um, the food and everything that we had, with, I, th- I thought was really creative, very interesting, very homey, super comfort food, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that you would expect in a diner. And to be able to be there, you know, because I know Jay Dapper, he's a great guy, you know, a great developer. And uh, putting on opportunities like this is super cool. Great publicity for him. I'm not going to lie, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> hey, man, look, you've got a um, you've got a construction mogul. If you could call Jay, right? Yeah. I mean, guy who's yeah. built like a lot of this town, who's figuring out how to get people like us talking about his developments on a food podcast. Again, bravo. And you know what? He's feeding <laughs> us good food. He's giving us chefs that we know. Yep. And he's turned it into a fun, exciting, you know, kind of little contest. So I thought that was great. The next contestants, because this is, there are six contestants, they each take over Vegas Test Kitchen for a Friday and a Saturday. And then on the following Tuesday, they have a judges night, which I'll be trying to go to a few of those whenever I can. Um, so the next ones up are the Savage Fine Diner and Tavern. They'll be at Vegas Test Kitchen Friday when this podcast drops and the following day, Saturday, for the public to try their courses. And I had a little conversation with one of them, Christopher Jones, about their concept. So it's a takeoff on kind of a Midwestern, classic comfort Midwestern bar with you walk in and all the old beer signs and just a really dirty burger and a couple dirty sandwiches. So that you know that's the concept. Cool. Any ideas what you'll be serving at the Vegas Test Kitchen? Definitely burgers. Uh, definitely I do a couple breakfast items that are kind of not secret, but they're uh, specialty kind of breakfast items that only I can do. I'm sure everybody can do them, but that I specialize in. So a couple breakfast items, a couple sandwiches, a couple burgers. Coming up, a gastro brunch conversion, another UNL Vino event, and... Is the latest cooking competition show proof that it's time to put an end to cooking competition shows? This is Food and Loathing. We really owe a lot to Food TV. I truly believe that the explosion of great restaurants outside of America's three or four largest cities and the explosion in a tourist hub like Las Vegas over the past two decades is a direct result of Food TV. I have friends who produce amazing Food TV. I enthusiastically recommend restaurants for their shows. I know a lot of people who have benefited from being on Food TV shows. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for un 
unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know there's a butt coming up. Yeah, here, right? I'm waiting, <laughs> waiting for yeah. the shoe to drop. But I'm starting to feel like the competition food TV show, at least, has jumped the shark. And if it hasn't jumped the shark yet, Fonzie is waxing his water skis with this one. Because it's not that it's all bad, but the stuff that is bad is getting worse by the day. <laughs> to the point that it really just feels like parody at sometimes. In the meantime, there's still some great shows that I'll watch religiously, but mostly if a friend is on them. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about all of that today. I want to spend a little time just talking about what we think about these food TV shows. But I want to start with a show that I will recommend, and not for the laughs. It's a good show. I just watched the premiere episode. Look, it will probably come as no surprise if I'm plugging it that there's a local Las Vegas chef on it. And it's not just any chef. It's a good friend of the show, Masazul's Mariana Alvarado. You may recall Mariana from our Mexican food episode or some of her popular Vegas test kitchen pop-ups. Rich, you you've Yes, yes. Know Mariana, we were at one right? of those. It was wonderful. Rick, you've worked with Mariana. I uh, she's a sweetheart and, and, and wildly talented. And um, she's just so cute. You know, she's got mm -hmm. this like perfect voice, perfect, and, and she's and she's driven. She's teaching me how to make masa, you know, from uh, heirloom corn from uh, Mexico. You know? Yeah, and she is really she has a mission. She's a chef with a mission, and you know, you can go back and listen to her on this podcast where she talks about the food politics of Mexico and how how tortillas have been stripped of the nutrition <laughs> based on what she believes was a corrupt president. And I mean, there's a lot that she has to offer people. So when I heard that Mariana's a contestant on the first season of Jeffrey Zakarian's new food network show, Big Restaurant Bet, which <laughs> premiered this week, I um, had to watch it. Did any of you guys watch it? I did. I did as well, and, and I was pleasantly surprised because I was ready for uh, weird things after watching the rats and the and the fake cake <laughs> and the next levels and all that stuff. But I enjoyed the concept of this thing. I also enjoyed the pace of the show. They did two competitions in the first hour, and they sent two chefs home. They only start with eight, so it's got to be like a four or six episode uh, yeah. series. They did not do the big setup involved storylines. You know, on Top Chef, it's getting pretty easy to figure out who's going home. Just yeah. see who gets the most camera time at That's the top right. of the That's show exactly. and gets to tell their tragic story about the redemption and all that crap. Mm -hmm. um, just look for the chef. Uh, yeah. I did like the point of view, too. Jeff is looking for the complete package. Chef, business person, personnel wizard. And I think the tease for episode two has got me hooked. Cook a dish that will be profitable. Not a great dish, a yeah. profitable dish. And one of the teases in the show is lobster. the guy saying, you're, you're going to cook me lobster? What the hell are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got to say, Jeffrey Zakarian, I thought 
mentioned money and profit more times in yeah. this show, in this premiere episode than I think he, then he mentioned food. I mean, so they, they were setting the stage that this is going to be about the business of running yeah, a restaurant exactly. as much as anything else, which is cool. It's, a, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, man. You're trying to get backers. I mean, I know Mariana's looking for, you know, some backers to open up her own restaurant, her own concept. You know, she's got a good shot at it, too, I would say, you know. And I like the fact that, you know, there's not this long, drawn-out decision discussion. He just decides. He just walks in. And he goes, you're good, you're out. Yeah. And that's it. And we don't yeah. get the long, tearful farewell. I think the woman yeah. at the end got like 20 seconds, and the guy in the middle got nothing. Got the hook. Yeah. Get out. Go. Go home. Nobody wants to hear you say goodbye. It's a good show. That's it. Yeah, good show. <laughs> um, before we, By the way, before we move on to some mild negativity, um, I need to share some super positive news. Anna Maria Rotolo, the yeah. beautiful daughter of Mariana Alvarado and our friend Vincent Rotolo, arrived on 4-4-22 at 10-32 p.m., weighing in at eight pounds and one ounce. So congratulations to the proud parents. Man. And now I actually had a little chat with Mariana about her appearance on the show. Hey, Chef. First of all, welcome back to Food and Loathing. It's been a little while, and um, a lot's changed in your life. First of all, you're just about to have a baby, I think, while we're talking right now. So. So um, uh, t- let's bring everybody up to date on what's going on in your life personally first. Hi, Al. It's really, really nice to see you again. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we are about to pop this baby. Hopefully not right now, but almost. Cool. And you got married to yes. another great friend of the yes. show, Vinny. Yes, yes, Vincent. We are super, super happy expecting our baby girl and just moving on with uh, a bunch of cool stuff now. Wow. Well, with all of that going on in your life, I don't know how you found time, but you're also on a TV show. The first episode has just aired, and you're still on, doing um, doing right by, by Las Vegas. So tell everybody about the show that you're on if they missed the first episode. Well, Big Restaurant Bed is, is a food network show. Um, our great chef, uh, Jeffrey Zakarian, an iron chef, he's the host. Him, his wife, and Eric, who is his business partner as well. And so they collected from the whole country eight chefs, and they all have the similar ideas as I do. They want to open a brick and mortar. They have, a, you know, a concept of a restaurant, just like me, you know, Masa Sul. Um, and so we went on the first episode, and we passed. So we're really excited. I'm really, really happy. So you had a chicken challenge, and yes. you survived that. Yes, and a one-bite dish. Um, so... The idea that every chef that owns a restaurant needs to be able to cook a chicken perfectly, um, it makes sense, you know? Uh, yes, you can have a lot of bad chicken out there. <laughs> and it happened, you know, that we, we saw some funky stuff going on. Um, but our chicken was good. Right. <laughs> So what is your goal? I always want to know why people choose to do food television because I know some people who do it because they just like fame and they like being famous and and other people do it because it's going to build attention for for a restaurant that's already in existence. But this seems to be one of the really good reasons. The only time I ever tell my friends to go on TV is if you think it will help support a new up-and-coming idea that you're trying to get traction for. Clearly, that's the idea behind this show in general. So what is the Masazul concept that you're hoping this will bring to Las Vegas? I hope you're bringing it to Las Vegas if it happens. (laughs) Yes. Um, So Masazul is is our traditional heirloom corn-based restaurant. You know, we started with pop-ups and then we do uh, tortillas and a lot of other stuff based on heirloom corn. Now, 
I never thought I'm going to be in a show. It, I never seek being on TV, neither. Uh, but these opportunities kept presenting to me, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump on it. And I think it was wonderful because the exposure that you get is what we're looking for, Massasul. Um, being able to present our concept on national TV and drawing people to Las Vegas, that's gold. And that's exactly what's going on. You know, we are... We have that opportunity to show what we're able to do with uh, Mass Azul and what it could be if we make it happen. And it's just pushing us every day to get there. Are you able, during the course of the show, to educate the viewers the way that you've educated me so much over the years about just the very idea of how tortillas have kind of been bastardized and, you know, the background that the, that the tortillas we eat these days are not nutritious and they're not what they should be and they're, you know, they're not traditional. So you've taught me so much about that just in the short time that I've known you. Are you able to bring that message to the viewers, do you think? Is that, and is that an important part of doing the show? Yes, 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 absolutely. You are absolutely right. Um, education is the key because we are presenting something that is not familiar to everyone, like, like you just mentioned. And uh, now we're bringing the spotlight to heirloom corn and what it can be. It's amazing. So you're actually, you were recording this show and competing while you were pregnant. Um, that's got to be, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody could put up with the pace and the stress and all of that just in a normal life. Of course, I have no idea what it means to be pregnant, but I'm guessing that adds more stress. What was it like trying to do it? And did you ever think like, well, I would have liked to have been on the show, but I can't do it while I'm pregnant? You know, in the beginning, yes, I, I hesitated when, when I was approached. Uh, that was my very first concern, like, am I able to do this? Should I do it? Will they cast me? You know, all of these uh, thoughts. And the first thing that I just decided to do is to be open about it while, while we were doing interviews. And he's like, okay, I'm pregnant. What's going on? How do we do this? I think I can do it, but you know, yeah. everything can happen. And they gave me a shot, and I'm very, very grateful uh, because I prove it to them and I prove it to myself. Uh, and I'm trying to prove that to all the women out there as well that, you know, in, in a normal condition when you're healthy and you're pregnant and um, you have a, a dream, nothing should stop you. And yes, it was, you know, a little bit more nerve-wracking being in a kitchen and running around and trying not to get you know or trying not to bump into people uh into the other chefs but it was also really cool because i was you know i had someone cheering from the inside <laughs> just keep going and let's cook and do this cheering from the inside i like that um have you done any food television and specifically competition shows and if not how did you prepare? Did you talk to people like Vincent or other friends of, of our mutual friends who have done competition TV? Um, well, this is my, my very first one. There is some stuff coming up soon that we can't really talk about <laughs> yet. But um, yes, I talked I talk to my husband. I talked to Vincent because he's been uh, unchopped and it helped me a lot. Definitely. We needed someone. I needed someone in my life who kind of explain me what this process will be just to be more clear and 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 to have a you know peace of mind and it worked um but but something to this level it was the first time and 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 it was um you know so different and 
even though they tell you what should be going on, um, I'm very grateful with the team also from BSTV uh, Productions because they were super, super nice to me. And I tried to make sure to tell them to not make my pregnancy, um, you know, a a thing. Mm -hmm. Just treat me like another chef and... Uh, they did that very well. I like that. Just, and then you regretted it. And you and said, wait, like, could you make my pregnancy a thing? Bring me some, you know, hot water for my feet. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, look, um, you know, I don't watch a lot of food TV, but when I know the competitors, I get very, very into it. In fact, I yelled at Jamie Tran a lot when she was on TV last time. Um, I, I, not until she was done. So I won't yell at you if, if I don't like anything yes. you do until you're done, yes. until, until maybe the christening. I'll wait till then. But um, beyond the fact that I'm going to tune in every week and watch now for as long as you're on it, at least, which I'm hoping will be all the way to the end. But for now, until we know what's happening, are there any places people can enjoy Masazul products right now? We are going to be ready this summer. Uh, right now, I'm obviously on maternity leave mm -hmm. and we have some uh, surprises coming up, really good things happening. And by the summer, you'll be, you'll be able to um, order online or get them uh, directly to your home and uh, it's pretty exciting so yes pretty soon moving on from this show that we all like the name of which i'm forgetting right now <laughs> but anyway big restaurant bet big restaurant yeah. bet yes moving on from that man i have been watching some food tv that has really left me wondering again if whether whether the competition show has jumped the shark i'm speaking specifically about rat in the kitchen mm -hmm. and is it cake on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. And these are the stupidest fucking shows I've ever seen. I mean, let's just be honest. But first, I should say they're both hosted by comedians. Okay. So we'll start with Is It Cake? That's Mikey Day, Saturday Night yeah. Live. And the idea is um, people make cakes that look like shit that's not cake, like let's say a handbag. Yeah. And then you put the handbag cake. Next to hamburger. six other yeah. real handbags, yeah. and then you have to decide which one. But they keep the contestants far away, and the lighting is for shit. So, right. you know, because I'm yeah. pretty sure if they were allowed to walk up to them, everybody would guess everyone every time. It smells it like chocolate. Like, <laughs> it, it feels like yeah. something that was made during COVID because they had nothing else <laughs> to do. Um, but I think the deal with both of these shows is they're being made by... Um, by comedians, and they're, they're parodies almost of the food competition genre. Mm -hmm. It's as if food competitions have become so boringly and bullshit-wise predictable yeah. Yeah. that you can take all the elements that are put into a good one, mm -hmm. like a good one like Big Restaurant Bet. You can take all those exact same elements that they recycle from every other show that's good, like Top Chef, mm -hmm. and then you could drop it into a comedy format, which seems yeah. to be what these other two yeah. shows are the doing the thing yeah, yeah. about a comedy format though it kind of needs to be funny and i don't think is it cake goes far enough although you know is it parody is it comedy and all that and by the way seldom is it cake it's fucking frosting and paint that's yeah. Little, yeah and then the big well that's true yeah found it and, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah but even parts of pan the only yeah. funny part is watching Mikey Day try to slice through a sneaker with a knife. I mean, like that's like that's what we all wait for, right? Yeah. So actually, Mariana told me that she watches that show with one of her young children, and the yeah. kids like it, and I could see that being a good kid show. Okay, 
But um, and and it is a little fun. It's harmless fun, right? Okay. Yeah. But then we get into Rat in the Kitchen, which I just feel is totally the jump the shark. Now, now this is hosted by Ludo mm-hmm. Lefevre. Yeah. And Lud- um, Ludovic, the the man that you scream at and <laughs> in your own TV. I, I like. Let's get it right. I, I Ludo's a good guy. Yeah. Okay. But also Nat- Natasha Legaro, who I didn't know her, but she's a comedian as well. Okay. Um, she comes out of that Chelsea. I think she was on the Chelsea lately, the Chelsea Handler show. She's yeah. a panelist on that. Mm-hmm. So she's got a very snide hipster condescending sense of humor to her okay so and the idea of this is there's just somebody sabotaging their ship but they just drop in all of the stuff the huddle the this the that blah 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 blah. and we're supposed to guess who the asshole is that's sabotaging the cake but you know how are we going to guess it's all in the editing but the other thing is i feel bad for ludo because i don't think he has a fucking clue what's going on in that show it seems like (laughs) language barrier that he's just like jokes are just flying over his head and i gotta see it i haven't seen it now i want to i see the title and i went nope not, not it's interesting. really, really hard to watch. What, that. Net- yeah. what network is carrying this? It's on um, TBS, I believe. TBS, yeah. So yeah, let's watch it. Let's, let's see what you guys think about it. But it's it's seriously it's sabotage and it's it's just it. Both of these shows, Is It Cake and Rat in the Kitchen, both feel like they could be Saturday Night Live sketches. Mm-hmm. Or they could be like a progressive auto insurance commercial that was mocking, like, you know, you know how <laughs> yeah, they do yeah. that where they mock a popular TV format? Like, yep. that's just how fucking bad they are at just being like, they, they just, but when you watch them, it almost makes you hate the good shows. Because you see the elements that they're plucking out of the good shows right. that are so reminiscent that you realize what stuff. a formula oh, wow. it's become, uh, you know? Yeah, well, then it just has to change. Something has to change. You know, uh, people aren't learning as much about cooking. It's just about results and people fumbling or doing well and like for seconds on the camera. You know, there, there's no real instruction. Yeah. You know, and I, that, to me, that's a pity because since old, the but, '90s, there must there is some Bible somewhere in all of television that started at news and and has gone on that you cannot have a shot lasting longer than 1.3 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I'm old. I want to see something. If it's beautiful, I want to see it for longer than 1.3 seconds. Yeah. Right. Um. No. It's uh, right. these these shows. They're. they're Again, jump the shark, maybe not, but the water skis are out, the boat's there, (laughs) Fonzie's in the bay, man, that's all I'm saying. A fitting tribute to a deceased chef, a new gastro brunch, and how to deal with the friend who eats nothing, at least for the next few weeks. All that in the news on Food and Loathing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is time for the news, and let's start with some super cool news out of St. George, Utah, where April 20th has been declared Chris Heron Day by Mayor Michelle Randall. We've spoken quite a bit on this show about the incredible impact Chris Heron had on the Las Vegas culinary scene, 
from his time in the kitchen at Bouchon through what was then an unimaginable decision to forsake the strip and take a chance in the Las Vegas suburbs at Henderson's Bread and Butter. Chris moved to St. George in 2020 and opened Farmstead Bakery there with Chris Connors in 2021. He died that same year, this past November 24th, and yet during his short time in that city, he was so loved that the mayor has declared Chris Herrenday. Hmm. That sounds crazy or improbable or even surprising to you, man. It is only because you didn't know Chris. Yeah. Rest in peace, Chef, you are missed, and I will be raising a glass of something to you on April 20th. Also remembering those we've lost, there will be a celebration of life in honor of Chef Aaron Bryan on April 25th at El Luchador on Blue Diamond Road, starting at 6 o'clock. All ages are welcome until 9. Guests are encouraged to dress in their best country attire. I have no idea what that means, but I'll find out before then. Maybe i got to buy a cowboy hat. Uh, there's a minimum donation of $30. All proceeds are going to benefit Chef Aaron's children. So I told you I'd keep you up to date on that. I'll give you a reminder when we get a little closer. And one more while I'm on bummer news, I guess... Um, I got a text from Chef Barry Daycake over the week telling me that um, Chef Piero Brolia had died. Um, he was 80 years old. This was the original Piero from Piero's. Yeah. Oh, wow. He also yeah, owned right. um, Cafe Chloe, which I had mentioned earlier, which mm-hmm. is no longer in business. And then Chef's Roma Kitchen in Henderson. So, again, man, a true Las yeah. Vegas legend who's cooked true. for a lot of legends. So this, this may sound like libel, but it's not because I actually have the, his words recorded. Freddie Glussman, the owner of Piero, is bragging about how he fired Piero but kept the name and won a couple of lawsuits to keep the name Piero's over the years. Wow. Interesting. Okay, well, rest in peace to him and condolences to his family. The San Manuel Gaming and Hospitality Authority says April 27th is the official reopening date for the Palms. I'll take reservations for guests to check in on the 28th. Uh, We've said that uh, Michael Simon's Mabel's Barbecue will come back. Scotch 80 Prime Ghost Bar reopening. On the casual dining front, we're hearing about Send Noodles. I saw the picture. It looks like a very nice, bright, airy noodle joint. It looks like they haven't... Uh, just the picture that I saw, it looks like it's that... Remember they had a, um, a Michelin-starred dim sum place that the Palms put in there? I, right. I keep wanting to say... Was that but, Little Buddha? No, no. No, that's it something was, else. It was a okay. chain out of Asia. I can't remember the name of it. It was there very briefly. Um, but they did a beautiful, sp- when they renovated that space, it was great. And some of the artwork looks like it's the same. So I don't know if they made much changes to that space. Maybe you didn't have to. Yeah. Serrano Vista Cafe is the name for the 24-hour coffee shop. It was called Lucky Penny under the uh, Station Casinos regime. They actually love that concept uh, so much they put it in Santa Fe Station and uh, Red Rock. I enjoyed that. I've enjoyed that uh, space under whatever it was before, under the Maloofs. I'm hoping to enjoy it again. The food court is now called The Eatery. Usual suspects, McDonald's, Panda Express, Coffee Bean, Chronic Taco, Earl of Sandwich, all the places that were pretty much there before coming back. Interesting they're opening the Palms exactly when they're doing the football draft on the 27th. Yeah. right. And yeah. the football draft's in the neighborhood of the Palms, so they're just going to get overrun, I would Yeah, they're going to do well. Yeah, well, it's at the Bellagio, but then it's the, the, the main draft area is on the other side of the link. Oh, the park. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah, it's way yeah. over the east side. I was oh, up I, there I, in the high roller this past weekend looking down on yeah. the building <laughs> the stage. Yeah. I saw that. Um, uh, Sam Ledecky was in town. Ledecky or the Deaky. My, my apologies, Sammy, if I'm getting you that wrong. I've only known you for 100 years. But he was in town this week to preside over the grand opening of the second toasted gastro brunch. This one is in the massive shopping complex on Rainbow Boulevard just south of the 215. You know that big monstrosity of a shopping complex over there. It's a breakfast, lunch, and boozy brunch 
niche spot, and it is specializing in eggs benedicts and um, actually some really interesting kind of Middle Eastern dishes that he has on there. Sweet pastry, I remember having in there. I can't remember the name of it. It's singeing, and I didn't write it in my notes. Sorry, Sammy. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's just see where I have the notes. I said like add a... signature item here. It's actually yeah. written in my notes, but I didn't add it. Sammy yeah. just texted me. Oh, 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 fuck you, Al. Did he? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Now I love Sammy, and um, look, like the toasted on West Flamingo Road. This is a former Sammy's wood-fired pizza location. So when I drop by to say hi to Sammy, who's been a Las Vegas institution in his own right for many many decades um i've i asked him is this the second location for toasted sammy yeah this is the second one we did you know sammy's has been here for a long time and we thought um toast, toast toasted and uh, flamingo is doing extremely well and it's easier to operate five days a week eight to three eight to two and then uh, the thing is done especially with the situation now with the labor what have you we do better income than we did before. And then uh, I'm, I think I like this uh, concept we have. It's really great food, great service. And we're gonna move on with it, continue doing it. Yeah, I think that for people who eat breakfast, because I'm not always a breakfast eater, but for those who eat breakfast, finding someplace that is good and quality and a little creative without straying you know, too far away from the basics, that's the key. So how do you try to balance all of those things? The, the traditional with the creative and just keeping the quality at the, you know, where it needs to be. Well, the thing is, you know, I mean, you know, for years, you know, breakfast was nothing. Brunch was nothing, only in hotels for big, big, big uh, uh, occasions. And uh, in, when I lived in New Orleans, New Orleans was huge on uh, the Brennans, the famous Brennan, the Commanders Palace. We were big on uh, brunches every day. With, with all kind of stuff, southern stuff, European stuff, and then the flambés in the morning. It was amazing. So I, I, I stayed there for many years. So later on, when we thought about this, this situation here, doing a toast, and toast and toasted, in San Diego we have a toast. We did this concept, it's just we, we mixed everything together. It's all about fresh food. It's about the quality of the bread, the quality of the, the product you're buying mostly. And we played with it from New Orleans with the flaming coffees and you know we just it was just it just happened and it just it's a lot of eggs a lot of mix we put some Mexican uh, items also and it, it's just very good it's not a real breakfast place where you go in and eat bacon and eggs and I mean it's more there than omelets we don't have no we have one omelet so it's working very well very very well it's very upscale and, and then very unique. What is the signature dish or the two or three signature dishes here that everybody has to try, you have to take your picture of, you have to get it on Instagram? What's the one or two or maybe even three? Well, we have a, a new thing in here called canafe. It's a grilled cheese with, uh, with, made with, uh, with, uh, with, um, with, with the big toast under it, with orange blossom uh, water and coconut and pistachio on top. Uh, that, that's a very unique thing. Nobody have it anywhere. This is something we created here from my upbringing and uh, where I was born. And the other thing is the Benedict, the eggs Benedict. I mean, the eggs Benedict, there are different variations on them. And the sandwiches. And then the, the, the mimosas. And then the, the, the biggest selling is like the one that you might like the most is that uh, the avocado sandwiches. 
So, I mean, I cannot, you know, it's like having five children. Who do you like the most? I mean, I, every day I come and eat something. Today I'm eating a, a haji, a, 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 a veggie hash. So the hashes are good. But, I mean, you have to come here and try it. It's a very unique, very unusual place. And I don't think there's anything like it in Las Vegas. You know, it, it has a kind of party brunch sort of atmosphere, and you're big, big on the mimosas. So one would almost expect it to be a strip concept, not an out in the suburbs. So are you courting vacationers who want to come and have a mimosa on a Wednesday afternoon? Uh, or are, is that just what the, the way the locals roll in this neighborhood, man? No, listen, we, can, we are never, we've never been a strip co uh, company. I mean, I wanted to be there, but I, the rent was too high, and I wasn't willing to do that. And I love my locals. I mean, we have four restaurants in here. We're doing extremely well, better than ever. We did with, in the, in, during the COVID, and even now. Uh, it, we're just lucky. We've been here for years, and we have following that we never lose. We keep building on and on and on. This particular location was the one I came to as the Sammy's Woodfire Pizza most frequently. When I was craving those duck tacos, this is where I came, right? So as happy as I am that, that you're here now, that makes me wonder where I got to go for the duck tacos now and for the pizza, of course. But for other people as well, I'm sure, are wondering, are you going to be transitioning all of the Sammy's over to Toasted or will we still have Sammy's? Absolutely not. These are too deep into the community and the local and one uh, like the Flamingo. We didn't know we we're going to get tourists, but apparently, as I said earlier to you, they read the reviews and they get so far away on Fort Apache. The rainbow here would be easier for the tourists to come. It's not a tourist place. It's really for the local. The local come in here. They love their mimosas. They love their Bloody Marys. And there is no by any means that the two other restaurants left and they're going to be changed to Sammy's. Sahara has been there for 30 years and in Green Valley for 12 years. We are very proud of that. We do extremely well. We have the gaming rooms on both places. We do extremely, extremely well. And I'm very proud of those two places and my presence here. And I still have one at the airport also. But no, no, absolutely not. We're going to keep Sammy's Sammy's. If anything, I will expand this idea, this concept here, toasted, because it's easier to operate. Eight to three, one shift. Yeah, yeah. Monday and Tuesday, close. I mean, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> With this labor market, I'm guessing that that's a blessing, too. Absolutely, absolutely. I love this concept because it's less hassle, less labor. We still have difficulty finding labor, but we're hoping it's getting better and better and better. Rich, have you been to one of the toasted gastropubs? I have not, but uh, it sounds like something I definitely want to uh, find on my gift, list. I got a gift card for you. I'm going to give you a gift card. I want to report back. I have a feeling I'll be going then. Okay. <laughs> Free food. Rick, if you want a gift card too, I'll find one. For I you. do want a gift card. Okay. I don't know Let if I have over. two with me today. But <laughs> I spread the wealth here, here at Food and Loathing. Oh, it's, raining, it's raining gift cards. So welcome to that one month of the year when about 24% of the world's population, nearly 2 billion people, fast from sunup to sundown. Yes, friends, it is Ramadan. So what's a, a Christian or a Jew or an all-around heathen like myself to do when it's mealtime and you have a Muslim friend, a Muslim a colleague present? On the CNN website, uh, one of their uh, staffers, uh, Saeed Ahmed, has shared a handy do and don't guide for friends of Muslims. So here's some of the high points. Yes, it's okay to eat around Muslims, but avoid maybe scheduling a working lunch. 
politeness. Basically, this yeah. is all being polite. Don't be an asshole. Feel free to fast if you want to know what it feels like, but don't feel obligated. And do join in the iftar, the big meal after sundown, because big communal meals are part of the Ramadan tradition. Ramadan is like Easter in that it's uh, a different date every year set by the lunar calendar. So don't worry if you don't know when it begins. Do be a little flexible when a Muslim co-worker asks if they can flex out a bit to make it home for iftar. Ramadan, says Ahmed, is about eating nothing and drinking nothing. So if a Muslim friend is not up for a coffee break or begs off half the hour, uh, please understand. And also, this is maybe a little too much information. Keep your distance, Ooh. he says. Because going all day without food or water, says Ahmed, says Ahmed, okay. can yeah, bring you're, on... You're definitely putting a disclaimer yeah. that this does not come this from is, you. This is what an actual Muslim says. Going all day without food and water brings on serious halitosis. Your breath stinks. <laughs> okay. Finally, the author says, there is no war on Christmas version of Ramadan. Feel free to say <clears throat> Ramadan Mubarak, which means happy Ramadan. And by all means, do not say... Gee, I should fast, too, because I really need to lose some weight. I love God. that the, the advice is basically don't be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so I'd love to get Janine Jaffer on here, actually. I've been wanting to have her on to talk about uh, meal prep. She's one of the few halal chefs that I know in Las Vegas. So maybe during Ramadan we could get her on. Yeah, there you go. She's Great not, idea. You know, too, I don't know what she'll be busy doing. We'll do it late. We'll have a feast. Yeah. Um, okay. So cannabis edibles time. I've got to say, Rick, 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 I feel uh. bad about this because I think I may have to cut this segment sometime soon. I think we've eaten every <laughs> cannabis edible in Las Vegas. I keep going into the dispensaries and I'm like, what do you have that's new? And I'm every dispensary in town. And I just don't feel like there's a lot of creativity out there. They know what sells. The chefs yeah. are dealing with it. Um, you know, I'm really excited to see Stacey Dugan start doing some more stuff with her vegan savory. But for now, I'm just not seeing a lot of new edibles. So I don't know how much longer we are going to be yeah. able to taste a new just edible say, every week. Pity. We'll do it on demand. When there yeah. is something to do, you'll do We've it. We've been doing, I told you, I'm trying not to do chocolates now that it's summertime because they just freaking melt if yeah. you carry them anywhere, right? Um, so I'm going back to the cereal products. We went back to, um, we had a couple from FX last week that we played around with. Yeah. Um, new, new distributor this time, Evergreen Organics. I've had their bars in the past. This one is just called Marshmallow Cereal Treat. What happens is nobody wants to tell you what um, company's, you know, cereal they're using because right. they get sued. But, I mean, this seems pretty obviously Lucky Charms now that I'm opening up the bag. Like Rice Krispies. Right? Well, look at the... Oh, the little the Charms. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the got little marshmallows in there. Yeah, right? marshmallows. So, this is maybe a little better, Rick. You'll see, like, they, they uh, try to cut it into... Right, so you Because it's a 100 milligram bar, and they try to separate it out so that it's... um. Like in quarters? So that it's 10, 10 milligram segments. But I'll be honest, every time I've ever eaten one of these from Evergreen Organics... It kind of melts and mushes, and you never get, like, again, when you're eating these um, cereal bars, mm -hmm. I think it's really just hunker down in your house. Don't try to microdose. <laughs> don't try to measure what you're eating. Just let the keys, Expect the just keys to watch away. Rat in the Kitchen and laugh <laughs> yeah. and Udo. Um, but, Rick, man, try one of these, and right. let me know what you think about them. If right. You can again, keep those. It looks like a big Rice Krispie bar, but it does have the little... The, yeah. I guess where they little <laughs> scoring, <laughs> but, but Rich, Rich, look at this. Oh yeah, I mean how we never. Yeah, there's no, no way you're not even pull out a 10 milligram dose. No, that. No. you just eat, you just bite it and okay. see what bite happens. Bite it until you're done or pass out. I'm curious Fine. what you think of the taste because I'm actually disliking this quite a bit. 
I mean, honestly, I don't think Lucky Charms are a good. Um, I would no. bet money that this is a Lucky Charms. I'm no. not 100% certain, but I would bet money that it is. And I don't like Lucky Charms. I mean, you only eat the marshmallows because <laughs> the rest of the cereal tastes like shit, in my worth, opinion. It's not worth it. No. It's not worth it. There's no. not enough sugar. There's The weed is prominent. It tastes like grain. It's like eating... It's like eating, chewing on weed and grain. Yeah, but you know, with a little bit of sugar. It's they're all right. All the yeah. edibles are all just questionable sources of uh, THC and, and CBD. For that. So delivery devices. Yeah. Yeah, well, but I mean that is the problem, and I think that's the reason I want to talk about edibles as if they're food yeah. to encourage chefs to make things that taste good that are not just thc delivery devices mm-hmm. um it seems like the market's not jumping up to that i'm going to blame my fellow food journalists in part for not treating it seriously as a food um but unfortunately i can't keep doing reviews if people keep giving me the same shit so yeah. i don't know how much longer we're going to be doing this <laughs> well, so um i mean we've done like 40 plus of these i mean that's a lot that is and now we're gonna have reviews. to go back to i mean gummies i know you don't like gummies no right? i do like gummies. oh you do like i'll get a cup next few weeks we'll do some gummies all right Okay, wow. well, that, there's our cannabis edible. Well, Rick, yeah. Okay, I know that Rick <laughs> is not even claiming this one to keep. He's like, I don't want it. So, again, just so you know the name, this is the Marshmallow Cereal Treat from Evergreen Organics. I have had good <laughs> products from Evergreen Organics. This one I really blame on the cereal company. It's just a shitty cereal. Yeah. And just because you want to spruce it up with those brightly colored marshmallows, it's not worth there's using no something that just quality. tastes like a grain, you know? And, and it... No, just, okay, you guys get the point. Yeah, no. Yeah, we avoid. vote no. Thumbs down. And that's it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to all of our guests, including Mariana Alvarado. Congratulations on that baby. Luis DeSantos, Christopher Jones, Sammy Ledecky. Anybody else whose name I'm forgetting, my apologies. This was an action-packed show. Thank you all for coming. Rick, thank you for being here. Pleasure, Rich, Rick. thank you for taking us out. Well, thanks for the thanks. And please tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. Find all the handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reaches direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And, of course, if you haven't done it yet, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination from cakes to candy to coffee to cupcakes. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you will find it at the Neon Feast. I actually found a breakfast spot close to Moon and Ranch this morning using yep. Neon Feast, and it was good. With producer Rich Johnson and Rick Moonen, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.